0: Hello, this is Avril Jenks from LSJ. Today I'm talking to Michelle Smythe, the Oceania General Counsel at Ernst & Young. Michelle manages a team of 28 lawyers and is going to talk to us today about how to build a team of in-house corporate counsel. This is Avril Jenks from the Law Society Journal and I'm delighted to be speaking today with Michelle Smythe, who is the Regional General Counsel at EY Oceania.
1: Thanks for joining us today.
0: We're really looking
1: forward to speaking to you, Michelle. Thanks, Avril. It's a pleasure to be here this afternoon. Looking forward to the chat.
0: Michelle, I believe that you're a member, I know you're a member, of the um, in-house lawyers' committee at the Law Society. And the committee has expressed a great interest in finding out um, what people can do at various stages in their career as in-house lawyers, so the progression possible, how to start, what the kinds of benefits are in working in, as an in-house lawyer rather than, say, as a government solicitor or in private practice. So with that in mind, I'll ask you to talk about your current role and then we'll talk about how you came to be there, etc.
1: Of course, happy to do that. First, I'd just like to say it's a real pleasure to be a member of the committee and also all of my team of 28 lawyers uh, continue to be members of the Law Society. We think it's a really important, uh, important thing to be part of and we like to participate as much as we can and support the profession. So in relation to my role at EY. So I am the Oceania General Counsel. That means that I lead a team of lawyers who look after the legal needs of the firm in Australia, New Zealand, Fiji and PNG. So as I said before, we have 28 lawyers in the team. Um, Most of us are based in Sydney, although we have a few in Adelaide, Melbourne and Brisbane. Um, so, we do a complex and wide variety of work, um, broadly split, I suppose, into three categories. We have our contracts practice group, who manage all of our engagements with our external clients of the firm. We have a litigation practice group, which is probably quite self explanatory in that they look after our disputes and employment matters for the firm. And we have a transactions practice group, who The lawyers in that team look after our acquisitions, our regulatory advices, and our company secretarial portfolio. So I'm also the company secretary of the entities that sit underneath the partnership. You sound like a very busy person. (laughs) It is quite a busy role. It's a great role, though. I really enjoy it. I started out as a technology contracts lawyer. And so to be able to go back to um, an organisation as a general counsel where contracts are such an important part of what we do is pretty much a dream job from my perspective.
0: And it sounds like a very specialised job. And it also sounds like the people in your team have very specialised roles. How do you find those people? to work in that team.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I've been at EY since 2018 and we went on quite a big big journey actually to um, set up a team that has the right legal skills for the business Um, and happy to outline that process if that's uh, of interest to you you and the listeners. Um, So one of the things that is really important to do up front is what I say, talk, talk, talk and that's to the business, to work out what's important to them and what they need in terms of legal technical skills to support their strategy. Um, interestingly, what, what we saw or what I saw in 2018 was a real increase in the amount of technology consulting work that the firm was doing and I identified a real need to hire technology lawyers, Um, I myself, as I said, came from that background, Um, but we now have a good solid team of tech lawyers sitting in the contracts team um, who support all those uh, services that we provide to our clients. Um, I guess part of that, after the talk, talk, talk aspects, um, I would look at the team and the existing capability and then identify how we might fulfil the needs of the business with the capability that we have, and then identify any gaps that exist. So if you use the example of technology, we had some technology lawyers, but we really needed some more more people to be able to support the business. In addition to that, we also look at what's the sort of work that we do that we can, I call it industrialise. So what can we send to our service centre in India to be done? What can we send to a law firm to be done? So And what can we create self-help tools for our business for? So that's also part of the approach to creating that team that is really working on the right things and the things that are important for the business strategy.
0: So in terms of those specialised skills, and thanks for explaining that so well, how would you also Mm. decide about the different personalities and different kinds of, you know, different kinds of people, different backgrounds, diversity, and so on, in to integrate all of that into your team?
1: Yes, I think, I mean, any general counsel will probably tell you that um, diversity is really important. Diversity of ideas is really important to be able to serve a huge business like EY, for example. Um, From our perspective, it's the best person for the job um, when we're recruiting, um, but we also value the leadership team and I also value um, the diversity that comes from a large team full of people from all sorts of different backgrounds with different approaches. Um, There are some consistent things that you need, I think, um, as an in-house lawyer. It's more than just doing the work. You need to be able to communicate effectively with your stakeholders. You need to like to communicate with stakeholders and you need to be able to have a point of view, I think um, I would describe it as, rather than just outlining what the law says.
0: Michelle, does your team work collaboratively with other parts of EY, other teams?
1: Yes, we do. I mean, firstly, we're a global organisation, so our team works closely with our area and global general counsel officers um, on various matters. In addition to that, Our team also works closely with our risk team and also obviously our employment team works very closely with talent, um, which is our HR team and our um, corporate development office who identify and manage our acquisitions. So there is quite a lot of interaction with other teams in addition to the support and the legal advice that we give to the service lines. In terms of
0: the structure of your team, do you have uh, seniority structures within that team?
1: Yeah, good question. I mean, I think most people in-house know that in-house teams tend to be quite flat. What I think is important is to make sure that people have development pathways within their their roles or within the structure of the in-house legal team. So for example, I have three senior lawyers who lead my three practice groups and they also each have a two IC within their teams and then we have various levels of lawyers that sit underneath those two sets of leaders who who manage the majority of the work. I think it's important also that people who work in-house develop in their own roles. And that's why, from from my perspective, it's very important for lawyers to be having those career conversations and to really understand what the opportunities available to them are within their own role.
0: Thank you. I think that's a very interesting and valid point, those career conversations. So if you were to have a career conversation with a young graduate lawyer, what would you advise them about going into in-house, working in private practice, the benefits of in-house, say, over government work, What would, you, how would you sell being in your team, basically?
1: That's an interesting one. I think for a graduate, it's important to be listening and learning. Um, it's important to be curious, I suppose. I know that sounds like a bit of a cliche, but to ask questions um, and and hopefully we create an environment for junior lawyers to be able to do that. We do have junior lawyers in our team and they would tend to shadow our more senior lawyers on matters and then do some smaller matters themselves just to help them to understand the technical legal aspects. They're so important for young lawyers, whether you start out in private practice or government or in, uh, in-house in or wherever it happens to be.
0: And another question I have for you is about how you worked and you operated during the lockdown because that must have been quite tricky going from working in-house before, um, I assume you all worked in the office, and then you moved to lockdown and then to hybrid working. How has that worked for you and your team?
1: That's interesting Because we have a team that's spread over Australia, we didn't didn't often get together in the same room. So we were actually quite used to connecting via Teams, for example, or um, via video conference of whatever description. So obviously COVID really was a dramatic dramatic shift to instantly everybody working from home. Um, But we just kept up our usual routine. So one of the things that I think is really important as a general counsel is to communicate often to the team, to our people. So a good example is every Tuesday morning I give a 10 minute update, or one of the leaders does, to the whole of the general counsel's office. We call it a 10 at 10 because it's 10 minutes and and it's at 10am. And we just continued to do that all the way through COVID. So everybody got to see each other, even though it was only on a screen. We do the same thing with um, another thing that we do called a 15 in focus, where we have a 15 minute technical update from someone in the team every fortnight. We kept continuing to do that sort of thing. Um, one of the other things we did, which was quite fun and we still do, is um, we created a personal user manual for each person and we shared it on our t- on our page, our Teams page page. Um, And it was all about how each lawyer preferred to communicate, uh, what their habits, their working habits were, whether a morning person or an evening person, what they were doing in lockdown to give themselves a bit of a break, and a couple of little personal things about themselves. It's been really interesting to share that with everybody, and everyone's really interested in everyone else's approach to their working life. So it's been a real success. We still do that. It's actually stuck up on our wall in the office now
0: really allows for individuality and, yeah, and also that people who would be sitting at home during COVID would be thinking, should I still be maintaining that sort of office behaviour and now could actually start to express themselves. I think that's a lovely idea. Yeah, it worked really well. Tell me something about the 10-minute and the 15-minute. Did they strictly, were were they adhered to very strictly? Did you have a kind of warning bell or...?
1: Timing mechanism? No, we don't have we don't have a warning bell, but we um we must be very disciplined because we always manage to do it for ten minutes and <laughs> and we always manage to fit our fifteen in focus in in time. So it's actually part of the I guess it's part of the challenge if you're presenting is to keep it in that fifteen minutes slot. Um, so people are really used to it now. We really go over.
0: And as lawyers, they're pretty disciplined too, I guess. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I'd like to talk to you now about your own team back at home. You have another team that you... And I assume you manage your team at home as well?
1: (laughs) I try to. (laughs) I've got... So I have um, two grown-up children. My daughter is about to turn 21. We're currently organising her 21st birthday party. My son is 23. They're both at university. One's about to finish. um, And my partner, Paul, works in technology I also have two brown Burmese cats that are quite famous in my team. One's called Milo and one's called Brownie. We're not very imaginative when it comes to names. (laughs)
0: Sometimes if you leave your children to name animals, that's what happens. (laughs) Well,
1: actually, that is exactly what happened.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And in terms of um, what your children are doing, did you manage to inspire either or both of them to study law?
1: I'm extremely
0: disappointed
1: to say I did not.
0: What made you study law? Did you have inspirational parents or another role model?
1: I think I must have had. I mean, my my mother left school at a time when women either became teachers or nurses, and she became a teacher, but she ended up being the headmistress of a school here in Sydney. And um, she's a very good and well-respected leader. And interestingly, then my dad's best mate was a lawyer and I did work experience in a law firm in Sydney about eight million years ago and um, yeah went off and did an arts degree because I wanted to be an English teacher and then I decided to do law and that's here
0: I am. (laughs) So were you actually teaching already when you started? No I wasn't
1: just post grad.
0: And what would you say were the skills that you actually gained from that law degree that you that you're still using today?
1: Gosh, it's a long time ago. (laughs) Um, I guess it's the ability to to distill information, the research skills, although the research skills are very different now than they were a long time ago when I did my degree. Um, I think they're probably the main things that I think I've brought into my role And
0: do you think that the students that are coming out of law school now that you're seeing in your own team, do you think that they've had a different kind of education, legal education from what you had?
1: Interesting question. I think on the face of it, obviously, yes, the way people have learned. And, you know, if you've got a graduate today, I look at my own two uni students at home and they've spent a good part of their degree working and learning from home, um, but I think the fundamentals remain the same. Where did you study? Which university? I did the LPAB, so I studied through Sydney University and I was working full-time at the same time.
0: And I think this will be my last question to you today. The students, or sorry, the graduates rather, and the lawyers, experienced lawyers who've come into your team, have they come from a range of educational institutions?
1: Yes, absolutely, and they've also come from different backgrounds in terms of private practice or other in-house teams and even other big four professional services firms. So we have a really, I think, diverse and interesting set of people in our team.
0: Thank you, Michelle, for talking to us today and I look
1: forward to hearing more from you later. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and thanks okay. for having me.
0: Thank you for listening. This podcast is a production of the Law Society of New South Wales. Today's episode was hosted by myself, Avril Janks,
1: and the executive producer is Francisco Silva. See you next time.